Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on Facebook or our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. It's not likely that 2020 will go down in history as the year of peace. More likely, it will be remembered as the year that shall not be named. Chances are you do not have as much peace as you would like this year. Whether you're stressed over 2020 and all the hardship it has brought, or maybe you're feeling the weight of a personal struggle or family struggles or or work struggles or, or loneliness. Peace is something we could all use more of. What do you do to get peace? Where do you go to get peace? Peace is not the absence of conflict, but peace is the security and confidence that you can weather through hardship. This is something that only God can provide. God wants you to have His peace in your life. The question is whether or not you will make room for His peace. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16-22 through give us eight keys for welcoming God's peace. To the extent that you and I follow these keys, we make room for God's peace in our lives. However, I need to warn you, if you do the opposite of these keys, you will invite into your life discord, and chaos, and they will push God's peace out of your life. So without further ado, let's read the text. You'll be able to hear the commands, and they are the keys to inviting God's peace into your life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16-22 through 22. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. This is an impressive string of commands, and you might be wondering why are these keys to peace? Couldn't they also just be commands from God for the Christian to obey? And you're right, they are commands. They're important commands, and they can be read a few different ways. But remember, Paul is writing to a group of Christians under duress. And we should start by asking the question, how do these commands help a person, a Christian, a church that is under stress? And that's one of the warnings I have for you. Watch out. The more stress you are under, the more willing you are to make compromises to get relief. These keys ask us not to compromise our faith in Jesus. They provide a pathway to peace. Peace is what the Thessalonians need, and it is what you and I need. Last week we read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. We stopped just short of there today. This verse is the major goal that Paul wants Christians to aim at, and it reads like this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I like how it begins. May the God of peace. God is the God of peace. He is the source of peace. He is peace. The Holy Spirit causes the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our lives, and the one and one of the descriptions of that fruit is peace. Jesus is also called the Prince of Peace. I have some scriptures I want to read to you because the Bible is full of scriptures that talk about God's peace. But here's just a few. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. It's just the first half of the verse that says, For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. The Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 22 says this. It's Jesus speaking, and he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And the last verse I would share is from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, describing Jesus, saying, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the source of true peace. The question is, are we willing to let them bring peace into our lives? God gives us the right to choose. We can choose to receive Jesus or reject Jesus. And likewise, we can choose to obey and make room in our lives for God to work, or we can refuse and try to produce peace on our own. Be warned, any peace that we produce on our own will fall short and be incomplete. So Paul gives us a series of short commands, and we, when we obey them, we open up our hearts and make room for God to bring his peace into our lives. The first key is this, rejoice always. Rejoicing doesn't mean to slap a smile on your face when you feel sad, but instead to never lose sight of exalting Christ as our Savior. Rejoicing is about worship. Do not let the pressures of this world dissuade you from worshiping Jesus. It's so true, the statement that says, you find what you're looking for, and human nature leans more naturally towards negative news and feelings. We feel negative emotions stronger than we feel positive emotions. It's built into us, and you're more likely to stew over bad news than you are good news, typically because we don't want to have bad things happen to us. It's a protect mechanism. So we are on guard against bad things. As such, if we're not careful, we can abandon the act of rejoicing and gain a vision for only what is wrong, broken, and depressing. And the result is we grumble about all of life instead of worshiping God. When we feed this hunger for the negative, we give away the space in our lives for God's peace and open up ourselves to brokenness, frustration, and chaos. The second key is this, pray without ceasing. These first three commands, or keys that we're going to read, have a similar description. They begin with always, without ceasing, and in all circumstances. In other words, we're being told to do these things all the time. And this can be intimidating. How can we do these things all the time? Pray without ceasing sounds overwhelming, perhaps even boring. If your picture of prayer is someone with their hands folded and their eyes closed in a silent room, it would be absolutely terrifying to think of doing that all the time without end. But I know this to be true. The more we pray, the easier prayer gets. The more we pray, the easier the words roll off of our lips into holy conversation with God. Prayer is important because it ultimately expresses dependency. As we pray, we assert that God is Lord over all. He is in control and that you and I are not as self-dependent as we like to think. Each time we pray, we're affirming that God is bigger than we are and that we need Him. We affirm that we are not the source of blessing, goodness, and peace, but God is that source. The third key is this, give thanks in all circumstances. This is not thankfulness for everything that happens to us, good or bad, but rather it is thankfulness as a way of life. Let's take a moment and think about the opposite of thankfulness, which might be called selfishness or entitlement. If we believe that we're entitled to something, we believe that it rightfully belongs to us. We deserve it. And when we're denied it, it's an injustice that's done to us. When we are entitled, that makes others the problem. Entitlement makes it so that I'm no longer responsible, but others are responsible to me. 
entitled what makes me the authority and God responsible for satisfying me. The problem is, is I don't have the knowledge or the wisdom or character to really call the shots. My demands are unhealthy and unbalanced. Left unchecked, my desires would rob me of my peace. An attitude of gratitude puts me in the place, puts me in my place and God in his place. When my desires are put into check, there is room for God's peace. The fourth key is this. Do not quench the spirit. Quenching the spirit. You can think of putting out a fire. The emphasis here is preventing or stifling the Holy Spirit. In this case, we need to be willing to let the Holy Spirit do the work of bringing peace into our lives. I think for many of us, we see the Holy Spirit as mysterious or unknown, and so we're nervous to let him truly work in our lives, but we need to let him in. The fifth key is very similar, uh, but it has another side to it. It's do not despise prophecies. Now, many of us, we think of the future when we hear the word prophecy, but what we really should think of is a word from the Lord, and these words are powerful and needed. With this command, we should focus on the word despise. When you hear do not despise prophecies, focus on the word despise. The prophets of the Old Testament, they, they, they called Israel back into faithfulness with God, and Israel often despised the prophecies and the prophets. They often killed the prophets, and the result was that Israel remained unfaithful to God, and God brought judgment on them. Sometimes a word from God makes us uncomfortable because it calls out our flaws and our shortcomings, but it is what is needed and what we need to hear to bring peace into our lives. The sixth key is this, test everything. There's a difference between testing everything and being suspicious of everything. Suspicion can become a negative approach to everything. Testing for truth and virtue can be a positive approach for life. And here Paul is asking the Christian to examine everything for trustworthiness. A life of suspicion is not a peaceful life. A life that accepts everything and doesn't test anything is also not a peaceful life. We need a filter. A filter that, that checks things and lets some things in and keeps some things out. We need a filter that allows us to test everything. And that filter has several parts to it, and they might be like this. A relationship with God, which we foster, of course, by rejoicing and with prayer and with thankfulness. We use the Word of God as a filter. The Holy Spirit, if we don't quench Him but allow Him in, He becomes a filter. And the church, the community of believers, is a filter for testing everything. What filters should we avoid? Well, public opinion. Emotions like fear and anger. What do you use? to test everything. Is your filter just your opinion or what your friends and family think or just a gut feeling? You should have a divine filter that will bring peace into your life. The seventh key is this, hold fast to what is good. When we have tested and found what is of God and good, we need to hang on to it with all our might. Beware that hanging on to what is good will have a cost. You cannot hang on to something that is good without letting go of unholiness in your life. Sometimes holding on to what is good will frustrate those you care about because they can't see that it's good. Especially in our world today where good and truth are thought to be subjective convictions rather than from God himself. But a life steadily hanging on to what is good will produce peace. 
I want to read another verse of scripture. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good, for building up as fits the occasion that may give grace to those who hear. That kind of talk will produce peace. And the eighth and final key says this, Abstain from every evil. Perhaps the biggest fight we face is that evil slowly creeps into our lives unnoticed. We don't feel it at first because it's so small, but it continues its creep, and then a little more, and a little more, until one day it has filled our lives, and we see it as a close friend, a part of who we are, and we can't imagine ourselves without it. I've always been like this, we'll say. Evil never promises destruction and ugliness. It always promises to satisfy our needs, but it cannot ever satisfy our needs. Once we let evil in, it increases our need, and it promises all the more to fulfill us, but it will destroy us. Peace has room to exist in a life that is full of what is good and godly. If our life is full of everything, including what's evil, it will not be peaceful. We must hang on to what is good and do the difficult work of letting go and keeping out which is evil. Sometimes the evil that we hang on to is, is anger or bitterness or the refusal for to, to forgive someone. These are peace killers. So there we have eight keys for making peace. For, well, we have eight keys for making a place for peace in your life. The more you do them, the more you give God room to work. But again, I warn you, if you do their opposites, you will invite trouble. So again, I want you to think of these eight keys. And as I mention them, I'm also going to mention their opposites. Rejoice also, but its opposite becomes grumbling about God. Pray without ceasing turns into declaring that I don't need God. Giving thanks in all circumstances finds its opposite in selfishness that blames others uh, refu and, and it refuses responsibility. Do not quench your spirit becomes a refusal to let the Holy Spirit work in your life. Do not despise prophecy turns into ears that are unwilling to hear the life-giving word of God. Test everything turns into permit everything. Hold fast to what is good finds its opposite in letting go of good and losing integrity. Abstain from every evil turns into letting evil consume you. These opposites are a recipe for chaos, frustration, and sorrow, and they will never produce peace. If you want peace to fill your life, it starts with letting Jesus become Lord of your life and then continues with making room for the Prince of Peace to move into your life. Are you going to make room for God's peace in your life? If you want it, if you want that peace, you got to make room. Are you willing to do that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we all need your peace. Lord, help us to make room for your peace in our lives. Show us the things that we hang on to, whether it's anger or selfishness or a lack of prayer. Show us the things that get in the way of your peace. Lord, we acknowledge you as peace itself and that your Son is the Prince of Peace and that the Holy Spirit wants to produce the fruit of peace in our lives. Lord, I pray that during this season you would bless each of us, our families and our communities with your peace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.